0: Uh, Alright, I'm going to begin by uh, by reading the story to you guys. Um, this is out of John chapter 20. Um, and if you've got a Bible, I invite you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles that are by the front table. Uh, and so you could, you could snag one. Feel free, make yourself at home to go do that. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, take it with you. We'd be glad to invest that in you. So uh, um, uh, this is a little bit of a long reading, but... It's very important that that we follow this and that we read this together because this is the core of the crazy story of the resurrection of Jesus. John 20, starting verse 20. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, guys, just imagine this. Um, There was a day, just like today, um, where... They were going to prepare the bodies, getting things ready for the rest, the rest of the grieving, the mourning process. Uh, what we consider Good Friday, but to them would have been really Black Friday, you know, had just had just occurred a couple of days before. And imagine the hopelessness and the helplessness. And we'll get into that in just a, a few moments of just understanding really where the where those disciples, those followers, where they were, and trying to put the pieces together about well. Who was this guy really that's been with us for three years and, and been leading us? And, and what now? What do we do? What's going on? And I'm telling you, a movement going forward at that point was the last thing in their mind. It was the last thing in their mind. They're so discouraged. Um, verse 2. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid Him. And so Peter went out with the other disciple and as they were going to the tomb, both of them were running together but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following Him went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Okay? Alright, so taking you to this place, taking you in with these guys, these two men that they're in there, and they see, they see basically they see a mummy without a body. They see, they see all these wrappings that had been around Jesus' body, and it, and it formed the shape of a body, but there was no body in it, except there was one thing that wasn't in place, and it was the head cloth. That had been on Him. And that, that wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't with, with the others there. It was neatly folded. Somebody taking the time to put it down. It was like writing a little note. I was here. Whoever it was, somebody did it neatly folded. 90 degree angles and all. Okay? Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Okay? So they, they saw these remnants, and it's like, like what's going on? What's going on? And just all of a sudden, it's this flash, this aha moment. It's like, is that what he meant? Three days later, I'm going to die. You can tear down this temple. I mean, Jesus used this strange language. Yeah, you tear down the temple. Three days later, I will rebuild it. I'll put it back together. They're like, is this what He was talking about? Is He he alive? They'd not seen Him yet. But they believed. They believed because they're starting to put together what He'd been saying before. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid Him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Now, now listen, guys. Hey, can you think back to the last funeral that you are at? You know? Can you imagine going, going to the funeral and they lower the body and into the grave and and later on, you know, maybe that day or a couple days later, you come back to put, put fresh flowers, you know, out there, or a new new set of flowers, or just to visit. And you look and there's a hole in there's a hole in the dirt. And you look down and there's you can see all the way down, you can see down to the to the coffin down there, and there's there's a hole in it. And you can see it's just There's just a pillow down there and there's some dirt on it, but you can tell there's no body in there. You start looking around like, what is going on here? Grave robbers. Oh man, why would they do this? Why would they do this? An angel appears and says, what's up? And, And then all of a sudden you turn around and there's your departed other. Do you, think, do you think that might change your worldview a little bit? you think it might change the way that you think about life and death? Here you have Jesus Himself, and He's standing there. And He said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing Him to be the gardener, she said to Him, Sir, if you've carried Him away, tell us where you've laid Him, and I will take Him away. Now, in there, Jesus, either His appearance has changed slightly, or He's allowing there to be kind of a, a mist and a fog you know, in her mind to, to where she just doesn't recognize it. We don't know what it is, but regardless, she doesn't recognize and Jesus said to her, Mary, calls her by name. She turned and said to Him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to Me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and, my, and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced these things to the disciples. I've seen the Lord! When she had said these, and, and that, and that she, he said these things to her, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now just just a little extra information in here. There's some reason that uh, that we're being told that the doors were locked. Most likely it means that Jesus, Jesus came in and the doors were still locked, that Jesus he wasn't bound by the by the walls or anything, that that somehow in this resurrection body that he, he wasn't bound by the same laws of of, uh, of science, you know, that, that we are in the resurrected body. He shows up and He says, Peace be with you. And when He said this, He showed them His hands and His side. Then the disciples were were glad when they saw the Lord. Well, that's an understatement. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, even so I'm sending you. Now, this is uh, basically John's version of the Great Commission where, where He's saying God... God the Father sent me. And, and he, he doesn't explain it right here, but in a few days, God the Father and God the Son are going to be sending the Holy Spirit as God the Father, God the Son, and the, God the Holy Spirit then send the church into the world. Because okay? there's some things that are happening that are totally changing their understanding of what faith and what life is. and What took place you know, in, in that tomb was changing everything. And they're about to be sent on a mission. And Jesus knows, though, that they can't, it's not just going to be based on data. Information will help them just a small bit. But the personal experience of Him and later the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And Acts chapter 2 starts to uh, unfold that. When He said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And now we move to another story of Jesus appearing. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with, was with them. Now notice, eight days. Eight days later for Thomas. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. There we have it again, doors being locked. Jesus is with them and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas. So he knew what was going on. He knew where Thomas was. He knew the doubts that Thomas had. He knows me. He knows you. He knows where we are. Jesus stoops. He makes the difference between us and Him. He comes to us and meets us right where we are. And he said to him, he didn't scold him. And he said, Thomas, man, you're such an idiot. I said, Tom, how... How dare you doubt me? You know what he does? He meets him where he is. He says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have seen and yet have believed. Guys, Christianity exists. The Christian faith is all over this planet. It has more adherence than any other faith system. And and some some assume that it's just like all the other religions, that a bunch of people trying to be good, moral, and ethical, but it it had a radical, radical beginning. Something happened. Something radical happened to it. To spark this whole thing, because it was it was ending badly. On the day that Jesus was crucified, you know, I mean, in fact, let me just back it up to the night, the night when he was, the night and into the morning when he was arrested. After they'd had a Passover together, a seder, after he said, you know, you you know, drink of my blood and eat of my body, you you must partake of me and be unified. With one another, and they're they're like, we're with you, Jesus. We're we're with you, and and uh, uh, he had even said he'd even said to him, you know, that some of you are going to betray me. And Peter, Peter, who it seems like he was the most vocal, maybe the most energetic, the most passionate among all of his followers, and he's like, not me, Jesus, never me. And Jesus looks at him, and and I don't think he was doing it in a condemning way, but really just in love and. And maybe maybe some pity there, but he just says, you know, before the the cock crows, you'll deny me three different times. And and Peter just didn't understand how in the world. And and so we get to the Garden of Gethsemane where they're where they're arresting him. You know, and 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 most likely Peter's the one that's being talked about that pulls out either a, 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 a knife or a sword and he lunges to try to kill one of the guards that's coming to Jesus because he's like, you can't have him. He swings for the dude's head to kill him. Misses the head. Cuts off the guy's ear. Jesus looks and says, put away the sword. Put it away. Reaches down and compassionately to the guy who wants to be his executioner, be part of imprisoning him, he grabs the ear and he puts it up on the guy and he heals him. He heals him. I don't know the story about that guy. I'd like to think that later on after these stories emerge that that guy will walk around with a scar for the rest of his life talking about that he believes now in Jesus. I don't know. But Peter, man, he was proving to Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'm willing to walk through this. I will die for you, Jesus. That's where the movement was headed. These few men who were like, we will die for you. We'll go through anything for you. That is until their leader died. Until Jesus died. And, and even were the things that Jesus said probably sounded like the final nail in the coffin of defeat when He said, It is finished. To them, to them it sounded like He's given up. It's over. Hey everybody, we'll see you around sometime. It, it, it's over. Hey, even... These last three years, they've done a lot to grow me as a person. But it's over. And they're scattered. The guys here, the fishermen, man, they went back. It's immediately, man, they didn't know what else to do. They're like, let's go get on a boat. Let's go and fish. Maybe, maybe we can have our old jobs back. It was done. The movement was over. Guys, that... Uh, That's where Christianity was headed, through the death of the leader. But that's not the story. That's not the story at all. That wasn't the end of the story. In fact, that was just a couple of steps in in the real real beginning of the story. You see, what's amazing, if you you think about martyrs, you know, martyrs, martyrs are men and women and sometimes students that that they believe in a cause so much that they give their life for it. They die for that cause. And people rally around the death of that martyr. People look and say, man, that person's death inspires me. I want to follow their cause too. They're willing to give their life. I can at least give some money or some time towards it. This is a valuable cause. All right? That is how a lot of movements begin. Guys, do you see? Jesus... Jesus didn't die as a martyr. Martyrs know that that is their direction that they're going. That is the end right there. That's the goal, is for them to die and then for everybody to take it from there. And they're excited, they're excited, and they're honored that they would be able to fill that humble role of being a martyr. And people know it. Even even, even suicide suicide bombers. You know, they've got a cause in which they believe in so much, as warped and as twisted as it is, that they're willing to go and give their lives to, and it even inspires other people to follow that same cause. But that's not where Jesus was headed. That's not where they thought that Jesus was headed. They were banking not on His death, but upon His life. And Jesus died. So what happened? What happened that changed these things to where it didn't just die off as so many little bitty cults died off, but became the moving force in our entire world of faith and Godliness and ethics and morality and goodness and righteousness. What is it that happened? Well, something happened. Some people wonder, was it, was it, just, a big, it was just a big mistake? You know, that they, were, they didn't really... You know they were they were just messed up in their thoughts about what about what took place and what happened. You know, or or maybe it was just it was just a hoax. You know, because now here, here's the deal, guys. The tomb was empty. There's no doubt about that. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. It was it was empty. Jesus was not in there. Something happened to the body of Jesus Christ. If he, was, if he was there, the Roman leaders and the Jewish leaders that were against this, this new movement would have brought His body out and it would have been over. It would have sealed the fate. So here's some possibilities of what, what happened uh, with the body. One possibility is Jesus really wasn't fully dead. He wasn't really dead. Um, now never mind, never mind, uh, of course, the the beatings that he took, that some people died just from those, and never mind the spear that, that they pierced into his lung and heart to make sure that he was dead, because they were about to break the legs of the criminals, because because it was it was just it was just before Sabbath, and they didn't want people hanging on the cross, so they wanted their, them to die quickly, and so they were going to break the legs of the other guys so that they couldn't reach up, so they would suffocate quicker, they would die a quick death. And they did not break his bones because they're like, we think he's already dead. Well, let's find out for sure. They take a spear, they thrust it up underneath his ribs, most likely through a lung and into the heart. Okay? So, all right, but in this, in this possibility, somehow he he made it past all of those things. You know, and, and in his weakened state, you know, like you know, two days later, you know, he. He somehow kind of wakes up and and He's got the strength to to push down this this door that weighs a couple of tons to get it out of the way. I guess there was Red Bull back there. And then after that, with the surprise of of the guards that are there, that are armed, He somehow took them on and out. Maybe he was Jack Bauer. And then later on after that, appeared to His disciples and somehow in this scenario, inspired them to worship Him as God. Really? Really? Another possibility. Grave robbers. This, this was not uncommon, because people many times are born with, with, uh, with, with uh, riches, with jewels, uh, things that they could take. Um, some grave robbers stole the body. Um, somehow the disciples then were inspired because there was no body that, that they, would, they came up with a resurrection story as a result of this. And, and you know what? That could be plausible. That could be plausible. and, and that, In fact, that even be, could be plausible if the disciples themselves stole the body. That could be plausible if, if this thing of Christianity was about a bunch of revolutionaries and what they were doing was all about politics. And it was about, let's go ahead and finish overthrowing this government. Now we've got got a story now. Now let's leverage and manipulate this thing. But that's not the story of Christianity. That's not. In fact, you have the story of people giving their lives rather than taking lives. Giving up control rather than taking control. That's not the story. So, but even the thing of the body being stolen by the disciples, that would, mean, that would mean that what they did is they deceived, they lied about it, there was a hoax that they, that they concocted, and, and oh yeah, by the way, for this hoax and for this lie, they were tortured and, and, and killed for this story. I'll get to their stories here in just a minute. And oh yeah, and, and, and they're being tortured and killed and they're giving up their lives for this lie, trying to tell everybody to go out and live a good life and a righteous life and an honest life full of integrity and righteousness. Really. Let, let's see what Paul had to say. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 14, talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. He was talking to those that were believers. I'm talking to you as believers. Listen, guys. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not optional. It's not an add-on to a cool story about a good teacher. If you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you call yourself a Christian, turn in your membership card at the table when you leave. If he didn't raise from the dead, faith is in vain, life is in vain. He says, we're even found to be misrepresenting God. Now, could there really be a group of people out there who are, who are saying, yeah, it's a big, it's we know it's really just a big, big lie, but then we'll just admit that if it's if that's the case, we're misrepresenting God? Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom He did not, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. It means those who have died claiming faith in Christ. It's hopeless for them. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If you say you're a Christ worshiper, a Christ follower, but yet you don't subscribe to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're pitiful. Because there's, there's no foundation for your life. Talk a little bit about martyrs. How the, the deaths of martyrs galvanizes people it inspires them. Martyrs today, Christianity, reported, Christianity Today reported in 2006 that an average of 171,000 Christians a year are martyred for their faith. I did not stutter. 171,000 people, size of a medium sized city, every year. Um, if you want more information about that or other things, go to persecution.com also known as Voice of the Martyrs. Um, it's been estimated that more Christians were martyred in the 20th century for being a Christian than all the other centuries combined. 19 centuries versus the 20th century and more martyred for Christianity. We look at it, and we're, I'm going to talk, give you some quick stories about the apostles and some of their stories here. Um, and it's it's incredible and it's horrific, the things that they walked through. But we have a tendency, at least I, I, I did for years, just to kind of think, well, that's just something in the past. That's something that went on back in the first few centuries or, or in the fights you know, between uh, Islam and Christianity. That that's that's what, what happened back then. Guys, it's not true. And these are people who, they die for a cause that, they, that they've heard of from someone else. Did you hear me? These are people. These are Christians. That they die based upon second hand information. They're they're dying because they're convinced about what someone else told them. Um, A lot of times it's associated with baptism. We've got some baptisms that are going to take place next week right here in a horse trough. Don't miss that. We got uh, at least at least three three adults, uh, two two ladies and one man, who knew that they were not Christians, and God saved them, and they're Christians now completely surrendered. Many many places around our around our world when people are baptized it's something that's done openly. It's done before Christians, but it's done before the world and it's a thing by saying, "Hey everyone, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a worshipper of Jesus Christ, and whatever that brings to me, I'm willing to walk through it." And for some people, that is when they're martyred is after they're baptized. For some, that's when they're raped. That's when they're that's when they're divorced. That's when their businesses are burned. That's when their homes are burned. That's when their, their children are persecuted. After they've been baptized, they professed their faith in Jesus Christ. And again, it's it's these are the things that happen for people with secondhand information. But there's a whole other subsection, and it's the apostles. Because they didn't die just about what they heard heard about, they died for what they saw. I want to give you some information. Most of this information is readily available. However, a friend of mine, Michael Patton, from Reclaiming the Mind uh, organization, uh, researched the validity of different details about these apostles' martyrdoms. And gives kind of a grade on it. And I'm gonna gonna go through some of this information just, just so you know A little bit about what these apostles who they they said they saw Jesus resurrected and what took place to them. The very first one you can read about in Acts chapter seven. His name was Stephen. You read about his his uh, his martyrdom, being stoned uh, to death for his faith in Jesus Christ after not recanting. Uh, The apostle James, um, he was the second recorded martyr. His death is recorded in Acts twelve two where it was told that Herod Agrippa killed him with a sword. And, uh, and that, it, that there's, there's a story that a couple of the church fathers told about how the executioner witnessed the courage and the unrecanting spirit of James and that through that was convinced of Christ's resurrection and he was executed along with James. Okay, Now the grade on this, on this story would be an A for the death of James and a C For the death of the executioner. We're not as sure about about that part of the story. But as far as the death of James, yeah. The Apostle Peter, um, you know, and again, he's the guy that denied Jesus three times. Three times. God, Jesus, he he reinstated him. And uh, according to uh, Eusebius, Peter thought he was unworthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus. And so when they came to crucify Him, He asked if they wouldn't crucify Him the same way, and so they crucified Him head downward. And the probability rating of that is an A. Apostle Andrew, um, now this is the guy that introduced his brother Peter to Jesus and joined, joined him with, with Peter. Uh, he was preaching... He was preaching this incredible news to the Scythians and to Thracians. And he was crucified for his faith. Um, uh, probability rating of B. The Apostle Thomas. and This is the guy we just read about. Doubting Thomas. Man, unless I can touch the wounds. And Jesus was like, okay, you can stick your finger here, but, but oh, oh yeah, Thomas, man, you can fit your whole hand inside my, inside my side. After that... Um, it says that he was thrust through with pine spears, tormented with red-hot plates, and burned alive around 70 A.D. Probability rating a B about his martyrdom in general, a D about the exact method of execution. Philip. Tortured, then crucified. Probability rating C. Apostle Matthew. Professed uh, the resurrected Christ upon his death by beheading at Nod Devar, probability rating of B. The apostle Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew, said that uh, it was a hideous death, that he was flayed alive and then crucified. Probability rating for this this story of uh, the way he was crucified, see. Apostle James the lesser did not deny says he was finally beaten to death with a fuller's club to the head after being thrown down from the temple probability is it be that he was thrown from the temple a d being beaten to death with a fuller's club after the fall the apostle Simon the zealot and this is one of the guys that he was a revolutionary wanted to see everything overthrown um, historians tell of many different places Simon proclaimed the good news in Egypt and Cyrene and Africa, Mauritania, Britain, Libya, Persia. But in about 74 AD, he was crucified by the governor in Syria. Probability rating of B. The Apostle Judas Thaddeus, and this is uh, this is not Judas uh, Iscariot, um, but. Uh, in the midst, he, he was he was preaching Jesus to those in Mesopotamia, kind of where Abram had come from, uh, east of uh, of Israel. In the midst of pagan priests, that he was beaten to death with sticks. Probability rating of the exact type of, of martyrdom: a C. The Apostle Matthias. Now he's the one that replaced Judas Iscariot, um, and so he was uh, the he was, uh, he was he was he um, was said by Eusebius to a priest in Ethiopia and he was stoned while hanging upon a cross probability rating of the exact details of D the apostle John now John is is one of the only ones that it said that he died a natural death but although he didn't die a martyr's death he sure died he sure lived a martyr's martyr's life um, there, there are stories though that at some point that he was thrown into boiling oil in Jerusalem, which did not kill him, but scarred him for all of his life. And, and A, about that he wasn't martyred. Uh, maybe a C, that he was thrown into the boiling oil. And the last one, was the Apostle Paul. Paul met his death in the hands of Nero, the Roman, the Roman emperor, when he was beheaded in Rome in about 67 A.D. The probability rating... That an A, okay? Why, why do I bring bring these uh, to you guys today? I bring these to you because um, I, I think it was Tertullian who said uh, the death of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That it was, it was these men who stood for what some people say is a myth, what some people say is a legend, some people say it was a hoax, just a big lie. That it was on their lives that they... they They hung all of this, not just to say he was a good man, not just to say he was a teacher, not just just like all the other religious leaders who say we've got a good good system of ethics and morality, a good worldview. follow me as I go through this. That's not what they said. They said we have seen Jesus risen again from the dead. And it was for that reason that people said stop saying that or we're going to kill you. And they looked at them, many of them, and they just said, may Jesus be glorified by my death then. And Jesus has ordained it that, that these men and these women and throughout the centuries, martyrs that we will never know about until we get to heaven, and somebody introduces us to the man or to the woman and, and, and the, the executions that they went through, the, the, uh, the horrific things that they walked through, and we'll shake their hands and just say, Jesus was glorified. Jesus was glorified through your martyrdom, through your death, to where we look at one another and we say, guess what? Jesus died, but because of His resurrection, we can go and we can live a life where we die to ourselves and instead live to Christ. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live, though not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. That's what the resurrection now brings to us. Is now Probably, probably none of us in here, but there could be. There could be some in here. that You may be a martyr for Jesus Christ. But all of us, though, are called to surrender every bit of ourselves, to where we hold nothing back, to where, we, to where we, we don't go to Jesus, we don't go to the cross and say, guess what, man, I'll, I'll carry you as long as you're not more than about 15 pounds. To where we, we don't go to the cross and say, alright, I'll follow your ways, Jesus, as long as you let my net worth stay above $250,000. We don't go before go before the cross and say all right jesus I'll, I'll follow you but you know that you know what my vision is and my dream is for life and after i finish with college and and finish with my my masters or now that i'm out of that and you know i'm, I'm seeking my professional ways as long as you give me the wife and the two kids and the picket fence and nobody gets cancer all right jesus you can have me i'll choose you that's not the way it works guys It's only when we come to a place of absolute, complete surrender to Jesus Christ that our life has changed. And, and I challenge you today that you would analyze yourself. and, and if may, you may be one of my friends that you've you've been caught in a system of religion, maybe you've been a part of church church systems. You've been a part of religion where, man, you you try hard. And, and you like Jesus, and He's a good guy, and you may even say, yeah, I believe He rose again from the dead, but it hasn't changed anything about you. That, that if, I, if I ask you, are you a Christ worshiper? You, you would have said, well, I, I'm a Christian. But the whole thing of, am I, do I really worship Jesus? If we ask one another, are, are you really completely surrendered to God? Has, has Jesus come and changed your heart to where your heart is no longer just about you, but your heart is inclined towards Him? And and I just say that if, if in the analysis of your life you look and just say, you know what, I don't know, Dave. You, you, you may say, I do know. I, I, am, I am not surrendered to Jesus. I don't worship Him. I just... I just worship myself. I just, I, I'm my own God. I'm, I'm the top of the food chain. Then on behalf of Jesus, I implore you, surrender today. Come to Jesus. Come to the cross. Jesus paid the price for you. He loves you. And He, he knows your brokenness. He knows that you're not complete without Him. And he's saying to you, as boy, as girl, as student, as man, as woman, as a couple, as a family, saying, Come to me. I loved you too much to leave you in your sin. I want to end by with just a few quotes that I looked up on Twitter this morning from some of my friends around talking about Easter. J.D. Greer said, Early church greeted each other very simply. Christ is risen. they responded, He's risen indeed. Steve Inge said, Awake, arise, come quick. The tomb is empty. Christ rises with the sun. All darkness is lifted and death has lost its sting. Tom Askell says, In his death, Jesus dealt decisively with sin. In his resurrection, Jesus dealt decisively with death. Daniel Montgomery says, Jesus wins, conqueror of Satan, sin, and death. Let's gather, church. Jeremy Rose says, Boom! Boom! Death is no longer a big deal because Jesus straight up handled it. Ed Stetzer says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Jonathan Heron says, dead men walking. Kurt Hanna says, he's alive so we can live. Guys, he didn't stay in the tomb. I mean, he didn't... He didn't stay on that cross. He rose again. And, and he's here right now through the Holy Spirit. And, and he is heavy upon us today, and he's drawing us, and those of you are already Christians, he's just saying, "Come nearer, come nearer, worship me. I, I did this for you. I love you. I love you." I, I, got, a, I got a text from Ray Ortland, my friend and one of my pastor friends in Nashville. And He said, He's risen and He likes you. How about that? You're not just pitiable to God. God loves you. God likes you. Would you pray with me? Lord, uh, help us respond right now.